We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, since we hit record on this podcast, I think DeMar DeRozan just hit another mid-range jumper. DeRozan's been absolutely unconscious lately for the Bulls, carrying them to four straight wins with Zach Levine mostly out of the lineup. Bulls on Monday night defeat the San Antonio Spurs 120-109. to in a game that I recently caught up, I missed it live. I, I just caught up, watched the whole thing. This game was hyped to me, Jason, as the best DeRozan game of the season. Uh, while I was playing pickup basketball, I got that text from a friend. <laughs> and it was hard for me to believe that would be the case, if only because DeRozan has had so many tremendous performances this year. This was his third 40-point game of the year. Uh, so, you know, we've seen him score at this level before. But, oh, my God, was that a takeover performance by DeMar? Starts the fourth quarter, I believe, seven for seven. Then goes into facilitator mode as the Spurs start sending double and triple teams toward him. Just just looks like a master of his craft in every single way. The first point I want to make here, Jace, is that, you know, like when young guys enter the league, they'll always say, ah, you got to wait till the game slows down for him. The game looks too fast. You got to wait for the game to slow down. DeRozan is the personification of the idea of the game slowing down. It seems like he's Neo and the bullets are flying in (laughs) slow motion. And he's just able to pick apart every single vulnerable aspect of the opposing defense based on what he's seeing in a split second. He's making great decisions. He knows how to get guys a little bit off balance. One thing I noticed watching the game is that the Spurs – especially late, we're really trying to deny him the middle of the floor. They were pushing everything towards the the sidelines. And DeRozan was, you know, rejecting screens or like basically like faking one way, spinning the other to get to the spot that he wanted to be at. 
And he just has such, he's such a master of manipulation in terms of like how to create just enough space and just enough indecision in the defend in the defense's mind to put himself in a position to score and just such an incredible game by DeRozan. He's doing it every single night, six straight with 35 in a row. Jason, you can talk now. What a game by DeMar. <laughs> I, said, I was, I was about, about to start talking about just these, uh, the ridiculous stats with DeMar here. Uh, as you mentioned, six straight with 35 plus in a row. Here's a tweet from Mark Spears after this game. 36 game, 35 points, at least 35 points and 50% shooting. Ties Wilt Chamberlain going back to the early 60s for the longest streak in NBA history. That is insane. Wilt Chamberlain. I believe Michael Jordan is the only other bull ever to do the, I think, five or six straight 35-plus point games. So he's getting up there with MJ territory with the scoring. I mean, just look at this this entire month. I got his game log pulled up right here. We got He started the month 29 points on 60% shooting. And then we got 28, 31, 45, 48, 36, 35, 38, 40. He said carrying this bull team and yet the efficiency has been ridiculous. Just like 50% or higher, 60% in a lot of these games. He was 16 to 24 against the Spurs, seven assists. That last assist he had to Kobe White for a three-pointer to basically put the dagger in was great. Uh, when the defense collapsed on him, he found Kobe wide open on the wing. Uh, yeah, just all these games and just, I mean, 60% shooting games. Was there a, Earlier in the season, there was a point. He was playing MVP level ball. There was some MVP buzz for him. He went through a little lull there in like January. Uh, like maybe like, or in maybe late December, uh, his shooting percentage has just been great most of the season, but now he's just like full blown, just like putting the team on his back right now, this month, he's putting up third, almost 36 a game, six rebounds, six assists on like 57% shooting. He is playing huge minutes. And, uh, right now they basically need him to do it, especially with Zach. And we'll talk about Zach's knee issues in a bit here, but Damar and to a lesser extent, Vooch, who has also been awesome. And we'll talk about him too. Putting this team on their back to get to bank these wins. They be, get clo- a close win over the Thunder where they didn't play great, but DeRozan was great. Vooch was great. Uh, Zach did not play in that game. I believe Javante didn't play in that game. The night before against the Timberwolves in a game where it looked like the Bulls were in trouble late in the third quarter at home against the Timberwolves last Friday. They turned things around. We saw Kobe have a huge second half in that game. Zach was clearly not himself. Uh, he just looked really bad. Kobe, huge second half, a huge DeMar game, big Vooch game. Banking these wins has been huge because, uh, I mean, recently the Bulls had been slumping. The injuries had been clearly getting to them. But right now, with Kobe getting hot the last few games, with DeMar doing his thing, with Vooch being awesome for the last basically month or so, Bulls are still here. It's 37-21, and four wins in a row in second place. I believe they're guaranteed to finish in second heading into the All-Star break. Right now, as we speak, Miami is in a close game with Dallas. If Dallas beats them, uh, we'll see if that happens. The Bulls have a chance in their final game. They play the Kings before the All-Star break on Wednesday night. Bulls have a chance to go into the All-Star break as the number one seed again, which I did not think would be the case when they were slumping with all these injuries. And just, I mean, so much credit goes to DeMar. The MVP hype is definitely coming back, uh, especially after last night's game. It's almost a cherry on top. I saw, I've seen some national people kind of getting back on his the MVP, uh, like I said, hype train with him. I think I saw Mark Stein tweet that, like, you can't have an MVP race without DeMar. And DeMar is not going to win MVP. Like, almost certainly, I mean, Joel Embiid has had a ridiculous season. Giannis is putting up huge numbers. Jokic is having, like, one of the like most productive, like, seasons of all time, but even better than last year. So I would assume, like, DeMar would struggle to, like, beat out those guys. I guess we could see what happens the rest of the season. But, I mean, right now, you at least have to consider him 
a fringe candidate probably. And I had a friend ask, ask uh, in a group message the other day, like who's been the best bulls player since basically like peak D like MVP D Rose. And my initial thought was always oh, probably Jimmy. Uh, like Jimmy was basically a top 10 ish player before the year before they traded him. But then I was like, Oh, you know, DeMar is really close. DeMar is obviously not a good defensive player, but like watching DeMar like that, I thinking about it more now. Like, I mean, DeMar's season is having one of the best seasons in bulls history right now. And he's on a ridiculous heater. So I'm going to ask you that question, Ricky. Do you think this season is like the best bull season since D Rose's MVP year? Well, Jason, you should follow me on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky, because on January 1st, after DeMar DeRozan hit his second of two back-to-back game-winning shots for the Bulls, I tweeted, this DeMar DeRozan season is the best non-MJ season in Bulls history. All right. I was reminded of that tweet. I don't remember anything I tweet, but I was reminded (laughs) of it because Mark K from Bulls HQ tweeted basically the same thing a couple nights ago. And I'm like, wait a second. Didn't I tweet that earlier? (laughs) And I did. And at the time, I got a ton of blowback on it. I was going back looking at that tweet. And, you know, you got some D-Rose fans being like, oh, you know, this, this, uh, this season doesn't match up to D Rose's MVP year. You had some people saying Scottie Pippen's 1994 year. There was, of course, the great Jimmy Butler year in his last year with the Bulls, with the three alphas, when he was really carrying a terrible team every single night to the playoffs. Even Zach Levine's last year, when his scoring efficiency was just totally insane until basically the trade deadline when uh, Vooch comes in, Zach got COVID, and that sort of started to derail everything. But I stand by it. This is the best non-MJ Bowl season in franchise history, this DeMar DeRozan year. You could look at it from a few different factors. First of all, similar to the D-Rose year, team success is directly tied to this one guy. Uh, in Rose's MVP year, the Bulls had the eighth seed two years in a row. Then D-Rose going into his third year, they hire Tibbs. Bulls become the best team in the league, or you know, they get the one seed in the East. And Rose is their leading scorer. He's the guy carrying the offense every single game. He had Keith Bogans next to him in the backcourt. So it's not <laughs> like bogey. Score besides for D Rose. Uh, and then, you know, this year with DeRozan, it's like, again, very similar. Without DeMar DeRozan, where are the Bulls right now, Jason? Even with all these other additions, uh, even if the team was fully healthy, like they need DeRozan's scoring punch and especially his crunch time decision-making more than anything else. Like he has been the driving force behind the team's success all year. Now I fully believe that the bulls are an ensemble sort of team. They need IO. They need Javante green's contributions. They need Kobe to hit his catch and shoot shots. They even need Derek Jones who played pretty well. I thought in the San Antonio game, given some minutes at backup five, and they've certainly needed Vooch to play well. Caruso is just incredible in terms of the impact he makes. Zach has had a very good case to start the all-star game this year. They've all been great. And everyone has played a meaningful role in putting this team in a position where they could end the first half in first place in the Eastern conference. But this year is all about DeRozan, and I think he's really proved it over this last stretch when so many guys have been hurt. The team has faced so much adversity. Basically, they have every excuse to drop these games, even against bad teams before heading into the break without Zach playing. And DeRozan refuses to let it happen. He's carrying the team on his back. 
in the fourth quarter, it's just DeRozan time every single game. All you can do is throw a double or triple at him. And if you do that, DeRozan is going to pick you apart as a passer. So uh, I think it's the best non-MJ season in franchise history when you factor in how consistent he's been game in and game out with his scoring. When you factor in how brilliant he's been in the clutch for a team that was horrible in clutch situations a year ago, and really like the last three years before that, and when you factor in the team's success, the team is, you know, in position to get a very high seed in the Eastern Conference. All it takes is one bad week to be down to sixth in the East this year, but they keep punching above their weight class. And it's because they have the DeMar DeRozan life jacket to keep them afloat in late game situations. So I'm stamping it, Jace. I've seen enough. This is the best non-MJ season in Bulls history for DeMar DeRozan, 32 years old. And he's doing it in a way that is so aesthetically similar to MJ. It's legitimately striking. Nobody plays this way anymore. Nobody plays like late period MJ or like, you know, middle period Kobe. But it just seems like it was always DeRozan's destiny to sort of master this style in a time in his career when you would think, well, you know, Jason, if I would have asked you like five, six years ago, how's DeMar DeRozan going to be at year 32? You probably would have been like, well, he can't shoot. He's going to be less athletic. He's always been someone who's re- relied on his athleticism. And he probably won't be someone who ages well. Well, guess what? DeRozan has simply mastered the craft. That's all I can say about him. He's picked up every small skill you could possibly pick up. And the game is so slow for him. He's carried the team on his back. He's just been incredible. I have so much respect for him as a player. Finding a way to succeed in this era that's been so much about spacing and shooting when he's someone who's never really had that ability. And to still figure out his angles, his spots, how to draw fouls consistently, how to sort of, you know, he had a great quote about like basically every shot I miss is a data point. Of just like, okay, what did I do to what did I do to miss the shot? Was I off balance? Did I hold the follow throw too long or not too long or not long enough? Like, why did I miss this shot? It just seems like he processes things so quickly. And I can't say enough about the guy. He's just been it's been an honor to watch him go to work every single game this year. Don't take it for granted, Bulls fans. We don't know if we're gonna see something like this again in our lifetime. Yeah, I mean, he's having the best season of his career career high in points right now his efficiency is right up at 60 percent true shooting per however you like just some of these advanced stats best of his career at age 32 uh you mentioned like the master his craft i mean the way that he still just gets people to bite for his pump fakes every game he gets someone to bite on his a mid-range pump fake and go to the foul line draw fouls that way like just an incredible grift like the, these new rules have not impacted him at all. He's just so crafty and he doesn't, but he doesn't like go out of his way a lot. Sometimes he does to like really sell it and like be obnoxious about it. He just gets these guys in the air and draws the foul with he's just, it's, it's incredible. So yeah, I mean, he has been, I mean, uh shout out. I, I had to tweet this last night after the game was with the bulls winning their 37th game last night. They matched John Hollinger's prediction for them. He predicted them to go 37 and 45. He Love called it. DeMar DeRozan like the most head scratching decision of the offseason. Uh, I had to tweet that out just because they get their 37th win in game 58 yesterday. DeMar is playing an MVP level. Uh, just had some, some friendly 
some friendly uh, trash talk there, but John Hollinger did like early, way early in the season. He did do a Mia culpa on the Bulls, realized that they were much better than expected, realized how Damara still got it. Uh, Demar, I mean, Demar was just kind of toiling in San Antonio, like doing a lot of this stuff, but just like not quite as like high volume playing more in like the in the Spurs offense when they don't really like focus on one guy. But I mean, you look at like a couple of years ago, he, he had a season where he shot 53 uh, percent. The assists, we know he improved his playmaking in San Antonio as well. So he was he kind of had some of this going on there. But now, like even, but now he's upped his volume, and now he just like saves the Bulls every single night. And the fourth quarter stuff is incredible. He's, I mean, yesterday, what did he have? Did he have nineteen in the fourth yesterday? He's like he hit like his first seven or eight shots of the quarter. I think ended it with like nineteen points in the fourth, and forty for the game. Uh, it was even like last night, the Bulls were like, looked like they were in trouble. They were struggling a bit. Uh, understandable again with no with no Zach with all the other guys still out and they struggled against the Spurs last game. They lost in San Antonio, gave up a ton of points. The defense was not the grading in it yesterday. Dejounte Murray was kind of dicing them up again. I think Lonnie Walker had a big game off the bench, and here comes Demar going into the Demar zone uh, to save the Bulls, and they finished the job. They finally started getting some big stops late. Kobe at that big three to finish it off. And yeah, I mean, what else can you say about Demar at this point? Then he should be an MVP candidate, fringe one at least. I don't know if I can go. I mean, the D Rose season was just so special for a team that won 62 games, literally also putting a team on his back because just like that team. Well, I mean, we love Joe Noah, love Lou Waldang, Boozer was pretty decent that season. Like the Bull, this Bulls team does have a lot of offensive weapons and all that. And Rose was putting the team on his back so many times. So like that still has that season still has a special play in the heart in the heart. But I mean, tomorrow's season right now, statistically, honestly, probably does come close to stacking up with it, if not better. Uh, and if he can keep going and the Bulls somehow get I know after the all-star break, the schedule gets really tough. But if they somehow keep winning and stay towards the top uh, of the East, I might have to come close to agreeing with you there. It's it's been awesome, like you said, to watch. The D Rose year was more sentimental. Yeah. But you know what, dude? I get less sentimental the older I get. <laughs> and fair. at this point, it's all about buckets and DeRozan gets buckets. Uh, we cannot talk about this performance in this game from DeRozan without mentioning the fact that this man did a sham god crossover <laughs> dribble and then dunked Oster. the shit out of the ball on Jakob Pertl, one of the better rim protectors in the league. I just watched that play again while you were talking because I clipped it last night. Oh, my God, what a ridiculous <laughs> slam by DeRozan off one foot on Pertl's head. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff, Jason. Yeah, I, yeah, I got that going on my ESPN auto player right here looking at his game log. Yeah, ridiculous. Again, he's just... It's been amazing. Jakob Pertl, former uh, or Bulls trade target, didn't get traded. Now he's got DeMar dunking on his head. Sorry, guy. Uh, yeah, awesome play. Just season full of highlights for DeMar. It's been great. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's uh, shift the shift the discussion here to something a little more somber. Let's talk about Zach uh, and his bum knee, bum back, whatever the hell he's dealing with. Clearly, it is the knee issue. He was dealing with the back. He was dealing with the knee. Well, first of all, he was. This, is, this has been a injury-filled season for Zach Levine. He started with that what thumb torn ligament in his thumb that he played through. Then we had the knee issue about a month ago. Then he had a back issue. Now it's the knee again. I'm assuming it's all all related. The knee and the back stuff. I'm sure. Um, apparently the back stuff went away, but this knee thing has been seems really troubling to me. Because once it came out on Sunday morning, he was he, again. He looked awful in that Timberwolves game. He had he had a few nice dunks, but like he was like grimacing every time he went up. Didn't have quite the same explosion and pop. His jumpers were not even close. His defense, there was no effort. Clearly just had nothing going for him, really, in that game. Needed Needs to sit. He misses the Thunder game. Misses. And then the next morning after that Thunder game, Sunday morning, Woj reports, Zach's going to California, seeing a knee specialist. He wants to figure out what's going on here. Was he still dealing with soreness, with, like, swelling? I think I saw Casey talk something about how he's hearing a clicking in his knee. And Woj said that there's some concern in the organization about it. There was some kind of pushback saying like, oh, you know, like he just, he kind of wants this more of a peace of mind. He had a clean MRI about a month ago, but like he's played since that last month and he's been playing like heavy minutes because the bulls have no bench and they can't trust any of those guys. Like, you know, you don't know what could have happened since that last MRI. We still have not gotten any word about how this meeting with the specialist has gone. But when that Woj report came out, my initial reaction was, oh God, this is like Lonzo where like some knee soreness all of a sudden turns into, Oh, he's got like a small meniscus tear and he's going to either need surgery or he's going to have to play through this. Like Joel Embiid did last, uh, uh, last playoffs, which he sometimes depending on the the, the tear, you can do it. But like with Zach and how he relies on explosiveness and all that, like, and we saw how bad he looked against the Timberwolves, like Zach gutting through that and not being just like at half himself is, I mean, I don't know if that really helps anybody, so right now we're crossing our fingers with Zach and his knee problems. Again, we're still waiting to hear the report from that. Ricky, what do you make of this injury? You ju- you just did you interviewed Zach on on Sunday right after that news broke. I know you they did he didn't answer anything about uh, the knee. I understand why they don't want any of that to get out. That was again right after the Woj report. Go check out that interview with Zach Levine that Ricky did on SBNation.com. What I mean, what do you make of this? How worried are you about this? He still wants to play and do his all star stuff, but like. I feel like don't play in the game. I guess if he wants to do the three-point contest, maybe that doesn't put as much stress on his knee. I feel like it'd be best probably not. I'm obviously not a doctor. I don't, I don't have a, a good, don't know what exactly is going on in there, but like, I would love to, for him to rest as much as possible here during this upcoming week. So how worried about you? Are you about this knee injury? Yeah, well, I guess I'll start off. So uh, a brand that Zach is working with reached out to me and they're like, you know, do you want to interview Zach? Uh, ask one question about the brand and then you can talk to him for 10 minutes or whatever. So I did that interview on SB Nation on Sunday, a couple hours before the Super Bowl. It's up on SBNation.com right now. I included the audio in case you want to listen to 
me making Zach laugh when I asked him about Jim Boylan, <laughs> uh, sort of in the middle of a question. I'm like, you had a coach who used to do and say some questionable things, and he started <laughs> cracking up. Uh, at one point in the interview, I asked Zach, I'm like, I got to ask you about the knee. How's it feeling? And someone who was off the call from Clutch jumped on and was like, he can't answer that. You know, thanks for the question. We understand that you got to ask it, but uh, we're not, we can't answer it right now. So I'm like, all right. I was a little flustered by that. <laughs> I don't think that that is cause for concern that he didn't want to answer it because I feel like players and teams only want to give updates through like official forums and this was not one of and it was right right when that news broke that he was seeing the specialist so like right i totally i I honestly totally get why they they would shut that question down like at that time uh what casey johnson said that you alluded to earlier on his podcast is that zach is feeling tightness and almost clicking in his left knee at times so that sounds troubling uh, I think it could be cartilage. I think it could potentially be a meniscus tear. Uh, it comes in, you know, varying degrees uh, when you have a torn ligament. So it could be a small tear, which would be horrible, obviously. But, you know, hopefully not a season ender. Um, everything has just gone so wrong for the Bulls this season injury-wise, yet they continue to win, that you're sort of conditioned to just expect the worst-case scenario with Zach, right? So now, of course, I would love to see Zach shut down through the All-Star break uh, and maybe even the first couple games after. It would be about a 12, 12 days of rest for him. Uh, the next game after the All-Star break is February 24th versus Atlanta. They played the 24th against Atlanta, the 26th of February against the Grizzlies, both at home. And then they travel to take on the Heat and the Hawks. After that, I would love to see Zach play for that Heat game on February 28th. That would be like you know, 16 days of rest if he doesn't go in the All-Star game. I was just doing a radio hit on the score with Anthony Herden, and he asked me, you know, if Zach does want to go, like, do you think his priorities are out of whack or what do you think? I'm kind of like, you sort of got to trust him. Like, he's going to know his body better than, like, we're going to know it. And I hope he doesn't play in the All-Star game. And, you know, I agree with you that, like, if he wants to do a three-point contest, I guess that's fine. But, uh I would ideally love to see him shut it down, but also like, this is very meaningful to Zach. I think uh, when you think about like where he was a year ago, putting up fantastic numbers and basically every bulls broadcast was full of ads, like begging people to vote for Zach for the all-star game, (laughs) even though he was never going to get in on the fan vote. Anyway, clearly he wanted that recognition. He's gotten a lot of recognition over the last year, being on team USA, being named to his all-star team for the second time in a row. But, you know, he's worked hard to get to this point, and I think he wants to show off and show out. Unfortunately, he's hurt, and uh, if he's going to play in the All-Star game, he's going to play hurt. So I trust him to make the right decision. If he does play, I'm going to say Zach knows his body better than anyone else telling him to rest. But I would love to see him selfishly rest up for a couple weeks, bro, because they're going to need him for the stretch run. If the the Bulls are going to hit their, their peak in the playoffs, it has to be with a fully healthy Zach Levine or as healthy as he can possibly be. Yeah. And like, and like, obviously I would assume a lot of this will be based on what the specialist says. Like if the specialist says, Hey man, like don't play in the All-Star game. You would hope he would take that to heart and listen to that. And like, not, but I guess you never know. I mean, yeah, I know that brand. What is that? It's Klarna that he, uh, that you like interviewed. Are they paying you too? Are they paying you for you giving them the shout out? No, I'm joking. 
No, I was going to say, like, I got an email for, about Klarna because he's got like all this like active, like all star activation stuff going on, uh, like for the all star game. So, like, I, I wonder, like, does he like want to help them out too by like by doing this stuff? He's, he's going to ruin all their stuff. I'm just, but, uh, yeah, I like, yeah, for sure. Like, when I saw that in that report from Motion, I'm like, please don't do anything with all star. Like, again, I guess the three point contest, you're just, you're kind of just moping or you're shooting from set shooting. You're kind of in little roping around the three point line. Like maybe they determine that's like a compromise. Like, okay, Zach play in the play in the three point contest. I know he's trying to still become like the only player ever to win the dunk contest and three point contest. So like, that's the compromise you make fine. Do that. There's no, I feel like there's no reason to play in the game, even though they're like, no one's trying like, any extra stress there, it just seems like it'd be silly. I know Billy was like before the last game claimed like I don't know like he's cleared to play. He's like just like doing this to like for like peace of mind to figure out what's going on. Just for an exhibition game, it just seems like it'd be unnecessary to put any extra stress on that knee. There's so much time off. It's like a week between over a week between games. Just don't fucking do it, man. But again, it is his body. He'll get the information from these doctors. He'll make the decision. Him and his team and clutch or whatever will make the decision. And uh so hope that it's all good because it would be just a huge another another huge bummer. I mean, the, so many of the Bulls' key players are hurt. And this is right now three-fifths of their closing lineup is injured. They're like prized young player, injured. Javante Green has been is banged up too. Uh, and, and they're still here at 37 or what is it? 37 and 21, right? Possibly going into the number or going to the all-star break as the number one seed again, update the Mavs are up eight in the fourth quarter. So there's a decent chance that the bulls have a chance to go into the all-star break as the number one seed. We will see. Hopefully Zach's all right. We're crossing our fingers for the next update that could come tonight, tomorrow after we record, we'll see crossing our fingers for that. Let's shift gears again. Let's talk about let's, uh, while Demar has been awesome, putting the team on his back. Let's give some more a uh, shout out to a couple few other players who have helped out because the bullet as great as Demar has been, you can't win games like totally by yourself. Uh, you need help, and Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White have helped, uh, especially these last couple of games. And Vuce has been legit fantastic since I tweeted that I was basically oh or not basically I was almost done with him that Magic game against his former team. Uh, it was probably about a month ago. I'd have to pull up his stats again. About a month ago, and the Bulls just got absolutely walloped in Orlando. Vooch had that four of nineteen shooting game. Uh, I think Demar had like forty some points in that game as well. Yeah, he had forty one points, but the Bulls lost by twenty or, or by nineteen. That was in January, towards the end of January. Vooch was just absolutely atrocious. Uh, like I said, thirteen points, four of nineteen from the field was a minus twenty five turnovers. Total disaster. Wendell Carter made him look like a joke. Basically, since then, Vooch has been playing at an an all star level. He's been fantastic. Looking at his this month, twenty four point four points, thirteen point six rebounds, three point nine assists, one point four blocks, shooting fifty seven point seven percent from the field. Three point shooting is still off. He was one of seven against the Spurs, zero of four against the Thunder. But that doesn't matter as much if he's going if he's fourteen of twenty five for the game against the Thunder, twelve of twenty four against the Spurs. He was 11 of 14 against the Timberwolves, nine of 13 against the Hornets. Vooch is killing it inside the arc. Now doing more work in the paint, the mid range jumper is finding it. And he, after that brutal start to the season where he was around like low 40 percentage wise, he's now up to 47.5%, which is basically where he's been the last couple seasons. And that's more like it. The production that he is giving right now is the guy, the bulls traded for uh, one of the best centers in the NBA. I feel like he's, 
battling defensively as well. Again, the Bulls defense has been bad, but the Bulls defense was set up in a way where the, the point of attack defense was supposed to mitigate Vooch's weaknesses when that point of attack defense isn't there. Vooch does not look as good. I can't really blame him for that much. Obviously, there are times where he looks bad, but usually, like position wise, he's pretty, he's decent. He has been blocking a decent amount of shots lately. Vooch has been playing again. Bottom line is, Vooch has been playing like an all star for the last month. And it, along with Tabar, has kind of saved this team. Vooch has been awesome. And as much as we talk about DeMar's sort of being a life jacket for the rest of the team, if you notice what Billy's been doing is staggering Vooch and DeMar to have one of those guys on the floor at all times. I think that when Vooch's role is to be a scorer, it sort of changes how he plays a little bit. Like with the full complement of guys, Vooch is going to be at best the third option. And really the Bulls are going to need to take whatever threes they can possibly muster up. So that like whatever outside shots they can get almost comes over Vooch getting like deep post touches. But I think over the last few games, what you've seen is he's really worked hard to establish getting closer to the basket, deep seals, especially in transition, uh, just trying to pick on switches a little bit more. He was doing it against the Spurs consistently, where when the Spurs were switching, he was taking his man when he had a guard on him, going down low, sticking his butt out, calling for the ball, trying to carve out space, draw a foul, collapse the defense, pass it out, or finish himself. Another thing I noticed from the Spurs game, and I've been meaning to do a Twitter thread on this. I haven't tweeted out the clips yet, but I got a bunch of clips. Is Vooch off the dribble? I love Vooch off the dribble. Other people have pointed this out uh, over the years, and especially since he came to the Bulls. But when Vooch gets a little head of steam and he's able to put the ball on the floor one, two times to get to the basket, I feel like that's very efficient offense for the Bulls. It seems like it catches opposing centers by surprise every time he does it. This has been part of his game for like several years now, I believe. It's definitely been part of his game since he came to the Bulls. But he's got a little bit of a handle to him, and that is a load of a man when he gets (laughs) rumbling downhill. So I love seeing Vooch grab and go on some passes. Uh, You know, being the outlet guy uh, or the release valve guy, when the ball swings back to him, put his head down, dribble twice, get to the basket, try to score. So I think Vooch has been great. What's been really cool about this run is that he's not even shooting well from three. He's shooting great from two. I don't have the exact numbers on hand. I believe he's got to be shooting over 60%. I meant he's like 57% this month overall, but like 26% from three. And he's still taking like four threes a game. So considering that, that yeah, definitely, I think over 60% from two. Yeah. So he's been cold from three. So to have a hot streak where it's not a hot outside shooting streak is sort of encouraging in a sense, because I do believe Vooch is a pretty good shooter. He might not be the 40% three point shooter that he was in, you know, the first half of the season for the magic last year, he was still pretty good shooter for the bulls after the trade deadline in his first year with the team this year is three point shot. I think it's around 33% from the year. And maybe it's even lower than that at this point, but I do think that like they're going to need him to space and shoot when they have the full complement of players. But like just the fact that they are able to win games with Vooch and with DeRozan being their primary offensive hubs 
has been really awesome. And I can't believe we're having this conversation, dude, after spending so many podcast episodes talking about like Killian Hayes and Jared Culver and all these like 18 year olds at the time. It's like, were these guys going to be the guys who saved the bulls? No, they got Vooch in his 10th year, DeRozan in his 12th year. And I think like this is more of a role that's similar to what Vooch was playing with the magic, right? Where like they really needed his scoring. They didn't need him to be as a connecting piece or a floor spacer as much. And he just seems more comfortable to me now, like for the team to be the best version of itself, Vooch needs to space the floor and he needs to like make quick passing quick passes and like not be a volume shooter, but he's been very good over this stretch. I don't think it's any coincidence that it's happened while all these other guys have been out. And you just hope that like Vooch really starts to get his swag up heading into the playoffs because uh, you need your bigs. The last few years in the playoffs have shown us like the death of the center was greatly exaggerated and you better have a center who can, you know, dominate physically up front on both ends of the floor. Uh, Vooch has looked really good, especially offensively over the last month. Love what he's doing. I mean, and, he's, and he's also just a his, his rebounding has been awesome. Like I know he, he like plays somewhat soft offensively. That, that's why it is nice. Like the, on the uh putting the ball on the court like going strong to the basket has been nice to see. Uh someone asked, I think someone asked us on Twitter the other day about like Vooch not getting more free throws and like how can he do that? Like he's never been a guy to go to the line much, but I mean doing that kind of stuff and like putting the ball on the court and going up strong or when he's in the post, like that could hopefully maybe get a few more free throws there. But just the rebounding as well, like in terms of like being physical on the boards and not giving up opportunities, Vooch has been a killer on the glass, and that's huge because the Bulls aren't a big team. We know they're they are not deep in the front court and we're going to see if they add anybody else in the front court. But I mean, they, Tony Bradley has been a, mostly a disaster. He has some moments at a, as a backup center as just playing big, but I mean, he's not good. They're playing. You got Derek Jones jr's back and he plays backup five, but he, he's six, five, six, six, and he's skinny as hell. Like the bulls don't have many big players. So Vucek has to be big. He has to be a killer on the boards and he has been, and he's the offense has come around like you said, the Bulls are just going to have to hope that this sticks, even when the other guys come back, when he's more of a third option uh, in the offense. And let's just hope so, because he has been great. And it's been nice to see this resurgence here. Uh, I mentioned Kobe White as well. And Kobe, at trade deadline passes, he wasn't really in any rumors. Like, it had been reported out there that the Bulls weren't going to trade him. But as a guy, like, you, he hears stuff, he reads stuff, I'm sure. Uh, people talking about possibly trading him. We talked about possibly trading him. Uh, so that, whenever that trade deadline passes, that could certainly be a relief. And I feel like with Kobe as a guy who like definitely feeds off just like confidence and stuff like that. Uh, it seems like he's definitely playing a bit more free, more confident. At least, I mean, we've seen him have these stretches before, but he had that he started, he struggled at the, the first half of that Timberwolves game. And I tweeted like, you know, like with Zach struggling, like we really need a good Kobe game, second half here to win this game. What do you know? Kobe had six threes in the second half. And then these last two games as well, he had 16 against the thunder four of six from three, 20, uh, 24 against the Spurs, five of six from three, including the dagger. He also had six assists against the Spurs, five assists against the thunder, uh, nine rebounds. So rebounding as well, just really solid all around games for Kobe. Again, we have seen him have these stretches before, but if, and if Kobe can kind of, if can be more consistent like this, we always say this, he is up to 39% from three again. It'd be nice for him to keep that up, but Kobe has really stepped up as, as needed as well with Zach out. It's been great to see He's shooting 50% from three this month. 
like I said, hopefully now that the trade deadline is passed, uh, I feel like the last couple of years, like both seasons, he's like ended seasons strongly. Hopefully that is the case again, because we've both, I, I, we've debated kind of like what Kobe's role is on this team when everyone's healthy, when everyone is back, like how much will he play in a playoff rotation when you have Lonzo, Caruso, Io, Zach in the backcourt, Demar as well. Like how much is Kobe going to play? If he keeps, if he keeps playing like this, there's clearly a role as that bench score. And if he's going to do stuff where he's picking up assists, playing decent defense, re- helping with the rebounding, clearly there will be a spot for him. The Bulls are very deep at guard. Uh, when they are healthy again right now, it, guys are having to play huge minutes because so many guys are hurt. But it has been awesome to see Kobe bounce back after this tread deadline pass. He had kind of hit another lull there before that. But these last few games, they have needed his big buckets to get these wins. Uh, it's just been great to see Kobe find that confidence again and go on those heaters. Because Kobe heaters are like, besides like when DeMar goes, goes in the DeMar zone and like when Zach is... Uh, one of his heaters like Kobe heaters are maybe uh, maybe the second or third most fun things about some Bulls games I guess when the, they're in transition too but Kobe heaters can be awesome they really get the crowd going uh and he's been on one on one the last couple games it's been great did our boy Brian Schroeder coin the term DeMarzo I believe he was he was the first one I saw do it uh so I I, I definitely gave him a shout out on Twitter for that because it I mean it's great someone's so, someone said to me yesterday he was he was uh, on Twitter the DeRoe zone is right there, kind of combining it, which also isn't bad. Uh, but I like the DeMar zone just because we just had the deal zone, Brian Windhorst deal zone with the James Harden, Ben Simmons thing. So I feel like the DeMar zone is a nice little playoff that as well. And uh, obviously when DeMar just like puts these defenders in hell, you're in the DeMar zone. Sounds great. But yeah, anyway. Kobe. So Kobe. Kobe's been balling, man. And what a luxury it is to have your three best guards hurt. In Caruso, Lonzo, and Zach, and you still got Kobe White out there, who is absolutely capable of popping off for 20 points in any game. I think similar to Vooch's success, where you know his role changes a little bit with a bunch of guys out. Same thing with Kobe. He's definitely shooting the ball terrifically from deep this month in one, two, three, four, five, six games. 50% shooting from three on over seven attempts per game. Now his shooting has been pretty good all year besides for his rough start. If you look at January, he got a little bit cold at the end of January. He still hit 38% of his threes on over six attempts per game. We'll take that. That's good. 38% yeah. is a solid percentage for someone like Kobe. Uh, in January, he hit 42%. He only played, I think, five or six games in that month. Uh, And then, you know, he just basically had the slow start to the season after he came back from the injury. So Kobe's very talented, man. I think that uh, there was one play yesterday. I I clipped it. It didn't lead to a bucket. So no one's really going to notice it. But like, basically, Kobe was running the pick and roll. He noticed that Vooch got the switch and he called for whoever was on the wing to lift. He passed to that guy. It opened up more space for the Vooch post-up against the mismatch. And the Bulls didn't get a bucket out of it, but I thought it was like a sign of nice growth by Kobe to just sort of like flesh out his point guard instincts, be directing people on the floor the way you would see CP3 doing it. Uh, I thought he he's made quite a few high IQ plays over this stretch. And then the shooting's been awesome. And, you know, I don't know what Kobe's mindset is in terms of what sort of player he wants to be. Like, I think a lot of people have tried to put him in like the Lou Williams microwave scorer role. 
Uh, and that's an awesome role and a lucrative role. You can make a ton of money. What What's Jordan Clarkson making? He's probably making pretty good money. A similar role to that, right? But, like, also maybe Kobe wants, like, sees himself as, like, a complete guard. He doesn't want to be pigeonholed as a scorer. Certainly, like, the Bulls need Kobe to be good in every area. But I think what you're seeing is, like, when they have the full-strength team, they kind of do need him to be a high-volume, highly accurate catch-and-shoot threat. But he has a little bit more space to expand his playmaking opportunities and just like his general scoring with everyone out. And he's been really good. I mean, this month, 16 and a half points, 50% from three. He's also hitting 92% of his free throws. He doesn't get to the line much, but having a guy who can knock down free throws consistently. Games. Uh, he's improved defensively a little bit, even though I don't think it will be a positive on that end or a big positive, but he's gotten better. He fights over screens. He like does the little things that it takes to compete on the defensive end. So I'm loving what I'm seeing from Kobe lately. It's such a luxury to have him on the team and, you know, you talked about him being sort of a high variance player, like some games will just be unconscious, some games will be cold, and he doesn't seem like he makes much of an impact. I'll actually take a high variance guy as like your eighth or ninth man for the playoffs, because if Kobe gets hot in the playoffs, that could totally win them a game or two in the postseason with Kobe hitting six threes or something. You know what I mean? So I'll take a high variance guy. Lonzo's a high variance guy, too, in terms of his offense. Uh but I'm very impressed with everything Kobe's bringing to the table lately. And uh, I really hope he's able to stay in this groove in probably what's going to be a smaller role when Crusoe and ball come back. Yeah. I mean the, with the Kobe thing, I guess for the playoffs probably seems like a situation where like, if he looks bad, you easily pull him. You, you, you tighten rotations in the playoffs. He is probably the eighth or ninth guy. So if he's just like looking like real dog shit out there, you pull him, it's fine, whatever. But yeah, he, definitely. I, I, I that's why I talk. I, I was really down on Kobe last year, and I've been back and forth on him on this year. But like, I t- watching the playoffs last year, I remember just like like talking myself back into him, just because a guy who can go and just get up those threes and gets but get buckets like that can be just so huge and win you, like you said, a playoff game. Uh, so there could be a very well could be a situation where Kobe, even if he's not like fully in the rotation and playing like big minutes in the playoffs, like where he has just like one game where he just absolutely goes off. And maybe gets the bulls to win. So let's hope that is the case. Um, let's wrap it up here with a little talk about just like the buyout market. I feel like there just, there hasn't been too much movement yet on that. We saw DeAndre Bembry got, who got waived by the nets to make room for the, uh, the Harden Simmons trade just went to the bucks. So that's a Eastern Conference rival, got a decent player. And we will, I will preface by saying like a lot of times, like the buyout market gets hyped up. But like a lot of these guys end up like there is there's a reason they're getting bought out. There's a reason they're available. But and in the case of the Bulls, like we just know they could they just need some bodies because their bench is so bad right now. Like, especially with Zach out. I mean, you got Kobe, Io, Vooch, Demar, and like Javante, which when John is telling you, you go past that. The bench, Troy Brown Jr. just had like what a historically hilarious game the other night. I believe that was the Thunder game where he was like 0 of 10 from the field and then he grabbed 11 rebounds. I think that's like the first time that's ever happened or something like that. Troy Brown stinks. Tony Bradley stinks. Uh, Matt Thomas stinks. Malcolm Hill, God bless his Illini heart. He's not. A, he's probably not really an NBA player who should be playing more than spot minutes. Uh, Alfonso McKinney has, has had that really nice like little stretch when they first got him. They give him the rest of your contract. He has not been anything since then. So the Bulls have like no playable guys off their bench now with all these guys hurt. So they could use like any bodies in here. So it'd be really nice to be able to get a guy or two. I, I would like a guard. 
and I would like a, at least a, probably a big man. I mean, you could probably even add, maybe look for a wing too. Like I would have taken DeAndre Pembry. Like he's had, he was decent for the Nets, but again, he's going to the Bucks. The Goran Dragic situation will be one to watch. I don't know how much Dragic has left in him, but it looks like he's not going to the Mavs. Everyone assumed he was going to go to Dallas, but now the Dallas, the Dallas GM Nico Harrison keeps saying they're not adding anybody else. Other teams involved, Bucks were possibly involved on him. I mean, all like the normals, the usuals. I think the Warriors, Clippers, Bulls. I mean, the Lakers maybe too. So like, you do wonder, like, uh, like I mean, that's a lot of other big teams. Like, will, will he go if the Bucks still want him? Woe said the Bucks are going to be aggressive for Dragic. They need a point guard. They just lost a Pat Connaughton for the most of the rest of the regular season. They just traded Dante DiVincenzo. Their their bench is pretty weak right now. They can offer him a pretty good role. I think George Hill is hurt. I think he's still on the team. They could offer him a big role. The Clippers, I think, need a backup point guard. So, like, the Bulls will have some serious competition for guys like that. We talked about Tristan Thompson as an option. I don't know if he's going to get bought out. Like, none of these guys have really gotten bought out yet. Like, Thompson... I don't know if like Gary Harris or Robin Lopez will be bought out from Orlando. Like those are other guys. I feel like I would like to look at if they did get bought out, but I don't know if they're going to Um, anybody. Like I I know we talked about this after the deadline, but uh, any of those names, like do you, what do you like, what do you just think of make of these situations on the buy with the bio market? I think the bio market's typically like super overrated and that we spend way too much time talking about buyout guys who aren't really going to make an impact. But the bar is so low, right? The goals at the end of the bench that you might as well take a flyer on some of these guys. Why not Etwan Moore? I would take Etwan Moore back. DJ Augustine, <laughs> I think he Augustine, got waived. Yeah, let's bring back all. I mean, why not Nate Robinson? While yeah, we're at, all right? the like, former what's, Ronnie, what's CJ Watson up to? What's Who's John Lucas III doing? <laughs> let's get them all in the mix. So I think that could be interesting. Someone like Moses Brown would be funny just to like give them some extreme length. Moses Brown is like a seven, five or seven, six wingspan. I also once shared an airplane with Moses Brown oh, wow. coming back from a work trip in New York. He was going, he's from New York. He was flying to some tournament, I think as a high schooler. Uh, Robert Woodard could be kind of interesting as sort of a three and D wing option. PJ Dozier isn't going to play this year, but like maybe you just get him in the building and see if you want to give him the Troy Brown role next year. Obviously he has connections to AK from their Denver days together. Uh, Even someone like Armani Brooks, I guess, maybe take a chance at like a little guard like that. You got KZ Akpala is a bigger forward. So I would sign a couple of these guys probably because Matt Thomas, I never need to see him play again. I get (laughs) that he's been with the team all year. He's shooting 40% from three somehow, but he <laughs> doesn't just, feel that way. <laughs> he's just an eyesore, man. Such an eyesore. And I think Billy's starting to like be done with him because he's his minutes have come down. What did he, what did he play the other night? He played six minutes against the Spurs. I mean, Bradley only played for, I mean, you look at these the minutes. I mean, Billy's been really shorting up the rotation lately because he just doesn't trust these guys. I mean, Io has been playing, I feel like close to 40 minutes a night. I mentioned DeRozan's been playing like 38 minutes a night this month. Vooch has been playing, I'm pretty sure, pretty huge minutes uh, this month. So, like, Billy just doesn't trust any of these guys, rightfully, because they all freaking stink. So, like, I mean, anybody, I'm willing to try anything else. Like, I'm not, wouldn't have faith in these guys to come, like, save the day or anything. But, like, we've seen what these guys on this roster can do right now. There's a lot of dead weight on the end. Maybe cycle in a few guys. You're not missing out on anything. Again, like, Malcolm Hill has given them some okay minutes at times. But, I mean, whatever. 
Again, McKinney hasn't been good. I mean, Matt Thomas can go. We Marco Simonovich, we don't know what the hell is going on there because they, they're playing using this as like a developmental year for him, but he's not on a two-way contract, which has been really annoying. But we'll see what they have to play if they plan on playing him at all at any point, or if he's just gonna be a G League guy basically all season. So like there's all these spots here on the roster, and with all these guys hurt, uh they could use some new, new bodies in there. So I'm willing to try out something new with any of these guys. But, I mean, a guy like Dragic, like, I don't know how much he has left. He didn't play. He was pretty good for the heat the last few years. Like, uh, like for the Raptors, he barely played clearly like his heart, his heart, like didn't see a minute there. Like maybe on a contender rejuvenated. I mean, he can't be, obviously he can't be any worse than Matt Thomas at this point. We know he's got good experience. Like I would, I would take Dragic in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, we totally. talked about, we talked about like Dennis Schroeder, he was traded to the Rockets. I don't know if they're going to buy him out. I feel like from what I saw, they won't buy him out. Like I would have taken him as for a minimum on a buyout guy, even though he's kind of a pain in the ass from everything that's out there. But like, it doesn't seem like he'll be available. So again, we'll kind of see, like, I, I hope they at least try out some new guys. Like the, just try something new because right now, I, I mean, even with the Zach situation, like Zach was playing huge minutes here, playing through this knee problem. We played like 42 in that Raptors game, he played 40 on in that game against the Hornets last week. Uh, I think it was 37 in the, against the Timberwolves and doing this on a bum knee because Billy can't trust anybody else. Like they need guy. They need to try something else and get, hopefully get some guys in here to take the minutes low. Because like as awesome as Damar has been and Vooch and like IO, like IO after playing this, all these minutes, I like, guess he going to how effectively be after a long road like this Damar as awesome as he's been. Will he be as great in the playoffs that he's got to play 40 minutes a night here down the rest of the season until these other guys get back. We just love to see some playable guys get in here. So they don't to take some pressure off the main guys. Yeah. I mean, yes, I fully agree with that, but it's also like hard to believe that that's going to happen. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's scary, man. I'd love Dragic though. Dragic would be excellent. Yeah. They could get him in the mix to have a veteran like that. It doesn't seem like Paul Millsap's going to be bought out anymore after the trade. No. He was like introduced alongside Harden today, which was kind of yeah, funny. He's staying, they both like. their jerseys. So he's probably going to be in Philly for the rest of the year. But I would love some reinforcements, man. Bulls could use them. End of the bench. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes, indeed. Uh, good news here. It looks like the Mavs are indeed going to beat Miami. It's an eight-point game with 37 seconds left. Unless there's a miracle there, the heat will drop. 37 and 21 tied with the bulls. And so the bulls, if they beat the Kings tomorrow, they will go into the all-star break in first place in the Eastern conference. Crazy to think about that, given the struggles and all the injuries of the last uh, few of last month or so. That is awesome. Oh, wait, no, it looks like wait that he'd have one more game, but either way, the bulls would basically at least be tied for the top of the East. If the heat then go, they play Charlotte on Thursday. It looks like, but if anything, if the bulls win, the Bulls win tomorrow with the Heat losing today. They can both be have a share at the very least 38 and 21 if they both win their last games before the break, which again is crazy. And that's awesome. So again, the stretch the coming out of the also break will be tough. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up. But just to be in this position right now, man, 37 and 21. Got the Kings tomorrow. If they're 38 and 21 going to the all-star break, I mean that's the vibes are a little bit better now than they were because I was I feel like a lot of people including myself were just kind of getting bummed out about where the team was going with all these injuries and we still got to see what's going on with Zach obviously if Zach's injury is actually bad that would be a huge bummer but it's been a pleasure to watch tomorrow as you said uh Vooch being great again has been awesome Kobe playing better Io has obviously been so fun to watch as a rookie here so the Bulls still have some really great things going for them here 
Uh, and again, they could be in basically elite in the, at the very least tied for first place coming down the stretch here. Uh, after the also break, Rick, you have anything else? We should probably wrap up here. I think we should wrap it up. All right. Um, as always shout out to the blue iron network. Uh, if with the all-star break coming up, obviously, uh, we've got tons of great coverage. Well, tons of uh, coverage heading in the all-star break here all across the blue iron network. So many great pods. And in addition to the NBA stuff, we had football pods, all the other great sports, obviously the NFL season just ended after a great super bowl, really fun. Uh, so tons of great coverage going on all across the Blue Iron Network for us here at Cash Considerations. As always, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. Please hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Give us, ask us questions. Give us ideas, all that fun stuff. And also shout out to Fuzzgun for our intro uh, for this season of Cash Considerations. So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.